I'm Barry Trammell. And I'm Jenny Carlson. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. OSU moved into a four-way tie for second place in the Big 12 football standing Saturday with a 48-34 victory over West Virginia. And yes, that is relevant information. It seems crazy, but the Cowboys' remarkable turnaround from a horrid September has OSU thinking Arlington and the Big 12 championship game. We'll talk about the trip to Morgantown, OSU's homecoming game Saturday against Cincinnati, and all things Cowboy football. But first, we want to thank our sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Hi, Jacko. How was your weekend? Mine was spectacular. You have yeah. seen West Virginia in mid uh, in, early, in early to mid-October. I have not. I'd only been there in June, September, and November. No thanks, Big 12 football schedulers for the last decade. But I got to go in the peak of the fall foliage. It was gorgeous. The view from Mayland Pusker Stadium's press box is one of the best in college football. So I just thought it was unbelievable. It's like it's like watching a football game in an art museum. I was very uh, I was very inspired. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of the best settings? you've been to for college football and just in, ter- in terms of the stadium setting. Yeah. By the way, I had a hot Saturday. That's how my weekend was. And I think sooner fans would agree. It was one of the hotter games, especially after we had such cool temperatures. I wish we would have had something that felt a little bit more like fall on Saturday, but I got to tell you 91 at kickoff. It was, it was, I don't know if it was at kickoff quite that hot, but it got into the uh, low nineties. So it was <clears> definitely uh Stay hydrated, wear your sunscreen, all that jazz. So, but I would say for me, among the the ones that have been most uh, visually pleasing, obviously Colorado Stadium there in the uh, in the uh, foothills of the Rockies, beautiful, beautiful setting. The Rose Bowl, oh, love the Rose Bowl setting. That's beautiful. But I I think about some of the places you've been, Barry, uh, Washington, Tennessee. I mean, do you still think West Virginia might be over some of those? Well, Washington's hard to beat, you know, looking out on Lake Washington. That's fantastic. Although now I've not been to the Seahawks stadium. You have. What kind of what kind of view is that? Because it's right there on the sound. What, What kind of view do you have when you're you covered that Oklahoma State Washington State game in Seattle? What is that? What's that one look like? You know, I actually didn't cover that game, and but I've you been didn't go near. Up there? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I know. I'm thinking, why didn't I? Because you didn't. So who did? Well, I don't know. <laughs> There's a hole in the force, Barry. What has <laughs> happened? No, you're right. You're right. I, I'm thinking of that game too, and I'm not sure. Well, hmm. we'll do some. We'll do some investigating. We'll come back with an answer on that. But it is beautiful. I've seen. I've been near that stadium enough times to know. It is pretty right outside. Now, I don't know how the views are from inside that stadium. That's the thing about some of these stadiums that when you step out, it's amazing. But when you're in, you don't get quite the view. So it's it's an interesting question you ask because, I mean, but even somewhere like Kansas, which I'll be at Kansas this weekend, it's set down sort of in the valley of the the campus. And especially with that full foliage, I don't know if it's going to be as nice as Morgantown was, but 
I think it'll be nice yeah. on Saturday in Lawrence. KU is nice. You know, Cincinnati's Cincinnati's got a, a cool setting because of the urban the urban look. It's like the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, PNC Park looking out over the Pittsburgh skyline. Uh, Cincinnati's got the urban feel too. Of course, the game's not in Cincinnati Saturday, Jacko. It's uh, yeah. the game's in uh, Stillwater, and um, uh, Cowboys uh, should get a victory. But uh, before we go to the Bearcats, let's talk some West Virginia. Uh, game was tight. Game was uh, game was anybody's game. Go to the fourth quarter. West Virginia has a lead. And then it was Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Ollie Gordon, 149 yards rushing in the fourth quarter. Cowboys break away. Win it 48-34. I could have sworn this was a team that couldn't run the ball, Barry. Where did that team go? This was literally four weeks ago we're talking about that. Offensive line stinks. Uh, can't run the ball. Can't run the ball. Um, need new coaches. Uh, all those things. Now, the one thing that we said and fans said, you know, the media and the fans are not always idiots. Sometimes we stumble upon them. One of the things people said was, give the ball to Ollie Gordon. Turns out it was a good idea. Very good idea. Hey, he's had uh, two huge games now, Barry. Uh, we saw the week earlier, not the rushing total, not the over 200, but uh, over a hundred in both rushing and receiving had all sorts of big plays in that game. And then obviously, like you say, just a monster rushing game against West Virginia running away from guys in the fourth quarter. I mean, kicking it into another gear and taking off. I mean, we talked last week about Ollie Gordon Barry. I think we're going to be talking about him for the foreseeable future. Cause this guy, we said last week, is this a star in the making now? He, I mean, he might be the best running back in the country. Is that too crazy to think? Well, I was thinking the same thing. There's no criticism of your thought process. Same thing was in mind. I thought, he's going to get on some Heisman list. He's going to make All-American. This is going to be great. And then I looked. He's up to fourth in the nation among Power Five tailbacks in rushing. So that's, that's pretty good. good after the start. Here's his problem. The three ahead of him, all from the Big 12. Oh, brother. Uh, Brooks at Texas, Brooks at uh, Tech, and uh, oh, the kid at TCU, Bailey, I think his name is. So Ollie Gordon's going to have to huff and puff just to make all Big 12. So now if he keeps going for 282, you know, Big 12 is going to be left in his, in his, in his dust. But it's, it, it, this is a little bit of a renaissance season for Big 12 tailbacks. So, um, yeah, he's getting, he's getting the notoriety. He was fantastic. He got stronger. Everybody was getting tired. Uh, and Ollie Gordon wasn't. He was just running uh, across the field for touchdowns. His last two carries was a, 63 and 46 or 53 and 48. Something. I mean, his last two carries of the game, he goes half the field for touchdowns. I'm not well, sure I've ever seen that before. So, yeah, a star was born a, a week ago. We talked about it. The star shines brighter even now. So, yeah, it feels, uh, it feels like he might be elevating into some sort of superstar status because when you start rushing for that kind of yardage, people take notice regardless of where you are, who you're playing. Um, you know, obviously, we'll talk about Cincinnati in a minute, but 
I mean, there's really no reason to see this freight train slowing down. I mean, he has gotten, like you said, better as the games go on, seemingly better as the season goes on. Barry, it's almost unfathomable when you think about Ollie Gordon getting three, three carries against South Alabama. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. How did that happen? Now, I will, I will cut Gundy and his staff a little bit of slack. No, no, uh, don't. I don't want. I don't want to hear any you don't slack. Cut him any slack. No, no, no slack. slack. I'm not, you can. I'm not gonna. Now listen. This is a different. Of course, you, you know I would prefer to live in a no slack world, but that's a different <laughs> subject. Anyway, um, <laughs> listen. If it was anything but South Alabama, I'd be on the bandwagon. OU, OSU was so bad against South Alabama. I don't know if 33 carries would have saved them from from Ollie Gordon. Um, but it is strange because we saw it last year, right? I mean, we saw a flash. We said, this guy's pretty good. He's a freshman. Yeah. Came on strong at the end. And, hey, and 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 cutting um, cutting Gundy and staff a little slack uh, a week ago in that Kansas game, uh, Nixon uh, gets in. Uh, I, think, I think Ollie got it, uh, uh, fatigued or something, particularly down near the goal line. Something happened. Nixon comes in. I think he finished with four carries, 34 yards. He was productive. Yeah. He's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Saturday in West Virginia, there was no there was no sharing of carries. I mean, it was uh it was all uh Ollie Ollie Gordon. So um yeah, yeah it, it, clearly the Cowboys have found their bell cow and they've found uh a way for that offensive line to function. The you know, the the thing I liked about him is they weren't doing a lot of uh, subterfuge. There was not a lot of, not a lot of counters, not a lot of, you know, spread options, not a lot of uh, let's dance around. They were running that quick power right up the middle, and he was hitting a hole and then bouncing outside or going. The thing about Ollie Gordon, he's got great vision. He does. He, he can. I mean, he can see. Hey, there's if I if I dart left right here, there's a crease, and I can go instead of six yards, I can go twenty six yards. And he, he told me after the game, he said it's it's interesting. He said, I can figure out most of that before the play starts. He said, I can just sort of – he's actually reading defenses. Now, I assume tailbacks for 100 years have been reading defenses. Of course. I've never heard anybody say that, though. I've never had a tailback say it. I've never heard a coach refer to it. A guy reading defenses before the snap, the way Peyton Manning is saying Omaha, Omaha. So, you know, I – that was very impressive to me about Ollie Gordon. Yeah. You know what this reminds me a little bit of, Barry? And I know uh, we need to talk about the offensive line. We've kind of alluded to the offensive line here, but we, and we need to talk about that. But this reminds me a little bit of what we saw with Jalen Warren a couple years ago. You know, Oklahoma State for the first couple games of that year, who's the running back? Where's the run game? I mean, the offensive line looked like it couldn't block anybody for any yardage. Then they go out to Boise State. Jalen Warren emerges, and suddenly we realize, holy cow, this offensive line is a run-blocking line. They can absolutely clear the way. So I don't know if this was a hand-in-glove thing where you figure out who your guy is and then the offensive line coalesces around it. I don't know if it's a chicken-and-egg question. Did the offensive line get better and clear the way for Ollie Gordon, or did Ollie Gordon really you know, motivate them? I don't know what the answer is. Barry, that offensive line is part of this too. I mean, they, they lost Jason Brooks at one point in the game on Saturday. And they still kept going. This 
that that I didn't think we'd get to the point where we could say they lose a starter mid game and they still have a guy run for 282. What I mean, offensive line is part of this as well. No doubt about it. You know, Gundy told us that last week. He said the story is is the uh, the offensive line. We figured out how to get the offensive line to block. He didn't give us any details, but it's a good. It's it, that's very much true. Now, I also don't know that the O line was creating massive holes at West Virginia. I thought the holes were bigger against Kansas so the week before. I think the game plan was very good. Some of the uh, the play designs, like I said, the, the quick hitting right up the middle. Um, they just gave they gave Ollie Gordon about this much, you know, this much of a of a space. He hit it. You know, he's a big, tall, lanky guy. He looks like he might could help Mike Boynton on the basketball court. Anyway, <laughs> there he goes. And I, I, so I think it's it's whatever the O line needs to do or can do on a given week. Um, I think uh, I think uh, hats off to Tim Rattay, Casey Dunn, Gundy, uh, Charlie Dickey, the whole offensive staff for really getting things going uh, where, where they saw West Virginia might be vulnerable. And Ollie Gordon. He sure took advantage of it. You know, he had a monster game through three quarters, 20 for 133. And then the fourth quarter became the stuff of legend. Yeah. 149 yeah. yards on nine carries, three touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a massive thing. So, yeah, but you're right. Kudos to the O-line. And that that has changed. The ability to run the ball has changed the trajectory of this OSU season. A team that looks so bad against Central Arkansas, looks so bad against Arizona State, looks so bad against South Alabama, actually has a pulse for the Big 12 championship game. Um, do you? How do you see this this Gordon running game transformation change the trajectory of these Cowboys? I mean, it can't help but you know. I think you have to you have to see this team now. As, like you said, a legit Big 12 title game contender, in part because they have a schedule that sets up perfectly to be in that conversation. Now their remaining five games are against the four newcomers to the league, which only have, I think, still one win against legacy Big 12 teams. So teams that are definitely beatable out there in those four, and then Oklahoma, which obviously It'll probably come down if they can beat Oklahoma in Stillwater in a highly, highly charged final Bedlam football game for the foreseeable future. Do they get to Arlington? But I think when you've got a run game that can do what it can do, and it's not, it's not that they're running the ball because their, their pass game is terrible. Their passing game isn't right now what their running game is, but they can do both. And so I think that that becomes a big challenge for defenses. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it does, it just, it's, it's like bizarro world, Barry, when you think about what we were thinking three weeks ago and, you know, before that K-State game, there was big 12 title game. I mean, OSU's not going to the big 12 title game unless they're buying tickets for it. But now there's a great chance for this team to be in Arlington, which would be, I mean, it does, it has a lot of shades of 2021. So I'm struggle early. Um, Unlike, you know, they didn't have two losses, but they did have they did have a loss. Uh, but I guess not until the Big 12 game. So but I mean, there are some similarities in the two getting the run game going, some of those things. So it's it's definitely interesting to see how this run game evolution and Ollie Gordon's emergence has really changed things for Oklahoma State. Yeah. And so, I mean, and we saw from the Sooners 
on Saturday. This is not a it's not a juggernaut that nobody can stand up to. I mean, Central Florida dang near took out Oklahoma. I think uh, I think OSU has to have uh, a, a decent level of confidence that Bedlam is gettable. And if they can win, if beat Cincinnati and win Bedlam, hey, Big Twelve championship game is 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 a horse race. It's a land run. And for this team to even be in the conversation for Arlington um, is remarkable because you look back a month at what we were talking about and what we thought, and you just um, I, I have to salute I have to salute the coaching staff and the players because things looked rotten, things looked uh, meager, and they've really got it they've got it going. And with the new look Big Twelve, this fourteen team league where everybody's not playing each other, it's very well could come down to tiebreakers. Who knows? But it's pretty cool that here, as we as we move towards as we move towards last Saturday in October, OSU's in the discussion for uh, for the championship game. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think that, I, guess, I think that's pretty cool. I guess the big question is with this offense now hitting a, another gear, how does the defense play into all of this? Because they weren't they weren't very good. I mean, they weren't terrible on Saturday at West Virginia Barry, but the defense seemed to maybe be taking some strides, and now we've kind of seen some eh, some struggles. They gave up a couple long touchdown passes again. I think uh, they've allowed seven touchdown passes this season, ranging from 30 to 49 yards. I mean, that's troublesome. Can they can they continue to win ball games with a defense that is having some issues, but an offense that is at this level that we're now seeing? Jacko. Seven touchdown passes from 30 to 49 yards. Not this season. The last two weeks. Two weeks. Ah, it's, I said that it's wrong. Unbelievable. Right. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this before. Here's the deal. Let's go back to December. Remember when the Cowboys started hitting the transfer portal and you think, oh, that's interesting. And then, oh, that's not good. And then, uh, wait, what's going on? There, you know, it's progressions of grief and all that kind of stuff. The one that the one that struck me at the time, I look back now and realize that, you know, I had the right premonition. Is when Jabbar Muhammad left and went to Washington. Yeah. You know, they, they lost some receivers, but receivers fall out of trees. They lost Spencer Sanders, but you sort of knew something was going on there. And they lost Mason Cobb, the linebacker, to, to USC, and you thought, oh, that's not good. But, you know, I mean, Mason's good, but he's probably replaceable. Then they lost Jabbar Muhammad to Washington. And I thought, wait, he's not just good. He's really good. Yeah. And this is cornerback. And what we're seeing now is the residue of some of those departures. Thomas Harper to Notre Dame, Jabbar Muhammad to, to Washington. Gundy and staff are using four freshmen in the secondary. Uh, McKinney, Epps, uh, Smith. And I can't remember the other one. I'm I get it mixed up, but they're going through growing pains, and they're getting uh, they're getting confused at times. They're getting crossed up. They're just getting beat. Um, yep. It's it's a danger. It's a problem. Good news Saturday is Cincinnati is this is not Joe Burrow's Bengals. It's Emory Jones's Bearcats. If you <laughs> tackle the quarterback, you're going to be fine. He's not going to beat you too much with his arm, but. That's that's the concern is yeah. this revamped secondary 
bunch of young guys. Hopefully they mature, become really good players, don't transfer to Washington and Notre Dame. But that's what you've got to live with right now. Maybe they're going to improve during the season. Very well, probably not just will, but or can, but will. Yeah. But it, you're going to have to live with it for now. They're getting beat deep on some place they shouldn't be getting beat with. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of reminds me of first year of Jim Knowles. Well, first year and a bit of Jim Knowles. You know, they had they had some young guys. They were dependent on young guys to do some stuff that they didn't always do correctly. So that tends to happen sometimes. And so um, I think it is it, you know, it could bite them. They they could lose, you know, one of these games against the new comers because they have some issues there. But They've adjusted well, uh, or uh, we've at least seen them make some adjustments, which is heartening. And then, Barry, you got to like the way they're stopping the run. They corralled Kansas, who their run game is dynamic. They corralled them. And then to do that against West Virginia, you know, this looks like a defense that can stop the run. And as you mentioned, Cincinnati, that plays pretty well moving forward against Cincinnati this week. Yeah, you know, I've, I've gotten to know some of the Bearcat people. Really like them. Glad they're in the conference. I think they're going to be a good addition to the Big 12. But they're struggling. They can't, um, you know, their offense is not very good. They're not the running team that, say, KUK State, Iowa State, West Virginia is. And they don't have the quarterback that can that can make you pay. You know, we've actually seen this quarterback. OSU fans, if you didn't realize it, Emory Jones was the quarterback for Arizona State a year ago. When the yeah. Sun Devils came to Stillwater. So um, he's a runaround guy. He's a little bit like Garrett Green at West Virginia. Maybe a little better runner. Probably not as good a thrower. Um, Cincinnati's a little thin in the uh, playmaking department. Scott Satterfield, the coach, told me back in April when I went up to Cincinnati, he said, we're pretty good in the lines. Cincinnati's got a stout defense. It's not going to be easy for uh, Ollie Ollie Oxen Free to, to go wild against Cincinnati. But uh, Cincinnati's offensive skill people, not great. This might be a team that will have trouble getting behind that OSU defense. So Bearcats are 2-5, and 0-4 and in the Big 12. Um, I don't see much juice on the upset meter. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think for me, coming out of those two big home wins against Kansas State and Kansas – for Oklahoma State to go on the road to face, you know, they there were some tough circumstances there. I think for them to go and prove that those two home wins could they could travel, um, this this sort of new look Oklahoma State team could take it on the road and win games. That showed me that this this is a team that is consistently now in a place where they're able to do this. They're able to go win ball games, and so I think taking that back home. I think that bodes well against Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't I don't have a ton of great sense that this is a trap type of game for Oklahoma State. They clearly know they need to win ball games. I mean, they lost two and looked bad doing it. They know they gotta win. So I, I, I have to think they're not gonna feel terribly overconfident going into this game against Cincinnati. Um I mean I I don't know what score you're picking, Barry, but I'm probably looking in the uh, you know, somewhere around forty one, say forty one 21 does that seem crazy no that's close I, I think i said 37 20 after i said it it might be a little high a little high for cincinnati, 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah maybe Cincinnati. Both. Both, but Cincinnati's pretty good on defense. You know, they held the Sooners to 20. Um, they they gave up – they lost to Baylor 32-29 the other day, but Baylor had uh, only two offensive touchdowns. Cincinnati's decent on defense. This will be a challenge for Gundy and staff. But, you know, the way that uh, that Ollie Gordon is running, um, you know, I, I think they'll get it done. I'll, I'll stick with what I said, 37-20. But um, uh, Cincinnati's going to keep it relatively close. They've kept it close on everybody. I mean, they've not been blown out at all. So yeah. uh, I think I think I think we're headed for an interesting game in Stillwater. Hey, I have seen I was thinking about this today. I have seen four consecutive weeks of really good ball games. I know fans love when their teams blow people out, but if you're if you like watching competitive games, we have seen some. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind to see another one in Stillwater uh, with OSU and Cincinnati. We'll talk about that and much more next week, but that's all the time we've got this week. So remember, the Cowboys host the Bearcats at 7 p.m. Saturday. ESPN2 is the network. We'll have all sorts of OSU content this week at Sellout Crowd. Barry and I are also at BarryTrammell.com and Jenny-Carlson.com. And if by chance this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Yes, I said subscribe. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.